powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. Hello again. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lisa. (laughs) Wait a minute there. (laughs) Think about it. <laughs> and I always like hearing Sabina's nice voice and intro. Lisa Jernigan. Lisa Jernigan. Yes. Uh, but yeah, glad glad to be here. We love counterculture. We love being on the show. Oh, it's just always so good. Yeah. It's just so good to be here with you and have just really thoughtful dialogue with our guests. And yeah. I'm excited about our guest today. Right now, you could be watching extreme cage fighting. But instead, you're choosing counterculture <laughs> about and we're peacemaking, thrilled. and we're thrilled. Yes. <laughs> Nothing, no judgment. None. I, there's no judgment there. Never. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so we have again. We get to talk to like the coolest people in the world. Real. I mean, yeah, not just in Phoenix. We get we get the world's best. We really do, and people that are doing incredible things. Yes, in the world. And so on calling in. From sunny California, who just been just flown around the world yesterday, Martin. Welcome, Martin. Well, happy to be here. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Martin is with Mediators Beyond Borders International, and he's uh, just. I mean, this guy. I mean, it's mind blowing what this guy's been able to do and what he's accomplishing. So, we've got a ton to talk about, ton to ton to learn. So first, let's just start. Where have you been, and and why? Uh, yeah, so um, I've I've been. I'll go backwards. From um, flew out of Barcelona, but was in uh, before that Dubrovnik, then Sarajevo, and then Portugal. Before that, um, Portugal was actually one of those um, they call vacations. Uh, oh, okay. Technically, I was on a vacation in Portugal. Um, Still, still taking calls and still doing some work. But yeah. That was that was actually recreational, um, which is lovely. And then um, and then Sarajevo was uh, meeting up with friends at a, uh, a peace symposium there, but doing a training remotely in South Africa. We had a final, um, called it a graduation celebration, because nobody likes the term finals. Right. Um, <laughs> and so it's called it a, you call it a celebration. More people show up for it. Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. I like that. Yeah. Language matters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, language matters. And I got to be on the same time zone as everybody, which typically I'm waking up at 3, 4 a.m. to do my work in uh, in South Africa. So that was lovely to be on the same time zone as them. And then I got invited to um, to Croatia um, from the University of Zagreb. Um, they did a conference in uh, in Dubrovnik, of all beautiful places to be. And, um, and that was sort of an experiential um, workshop that I did with them in just how can we make blend academia and practitioners 
in the work we're doing. So was able to take them through a wow. uh, kind of a half-day experience of, of some of the work we're doing around trauma, working with uh, mediators in Ukraine. Woo. There's a lot, a lot there on that plate you just served up to us. <laughs> a, really cool. So... So, are, so you're talking. Was it focused on what the issue of modern issue of Ukraine, or is it dealing with like past trauma related to what's been ha- happened coming out of Croatia and the the the, the Baltic? Yeah. So, focus is sort of a funny word in in, um, in peace building, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and and, um, and and so it's it's all the things, right? So, um, the, the project, the most recent project, is is working with um, it's called trauma informed peace building. And it was something that we, as mediators beyond borders, um, came up to as a response for the war. What we did is, you know, in the be- very beginning when it breaks out, you're seeing uh, an old school sort of invasion of another country. Yes. Mm-hmm. And thinking, how can we call ourselves peace builders and sit on the sidelines? Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. just that icky feeling that I think was shared across the world of like, man, what can we do? Yeah. And so what we did is we, we brought together our, our team leaders from all the different countries we're working in and said, what would be the most impactful thing at this point? Because it's not even, we're not even talking about post-traumatic stress. This right. Is Current. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. And, and so they all came back and said, you know, we was, you know, deal with the trauma of what's happening because that's what we're dealing with. So the, you know, the cycle of violence you see in these countries, the the decimation of economies and things like that, all can kind of have a trace to trauma. And so if if you can get in on the front end and you look at, you know, and you hear in the news media, oh, you know, we have to send aid and aid workers, who's protecting the aid workers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and they're the first responders, and those are the first people that folks who have experienced trauma are are speaking to and, and, and speaking. And so what if we were not able to protect them, but better able to protect those that they're working with by understanding how trauma impacts you either vicariously or, you know, what, what happens in your speech and, and your behavior. And so we can mm-hmm. notice some of those things and help people right at the source and try to interrupt this, uh, the cycle of violence and, and generational trauma that we know occurs as a result of these wars. Oh, so, the, so in a sense, everything related to a war is traumatic. It would seem, and so you would you would seem you would almost always have to have something trauma informed approach, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so, what is because I, the language of trauma and an understanding of it, both in, at the at the level in the brain, is becoming for, more and more people are learning about it. What has been brought that's new to the conversation about peacemaking? In that sort of tra- when you can so now you can say it's trauma informed. Tell me what's new in in that conversation. It doesn't necessarily always create trauma for every person. Okay, each person's going to have a different experience, and just because you and I witness the same thing because we have different backgrounds and different experiences, it's going to come. It's going to take on a different meaning for each of us, and so not everyone experiences something, and just because it's technically a, a traumatic event okay. doesn't mean that it causes trauma in our lives. And to answer the question of what, what, what more are we bringing to it um, is, is understanding how we cope with it and how it shows up, um, particularly in the body. Mm. And um, that conversation of, and is, if I were to ask someone working in that context right now, how are you doing? The answer I get 
you know, probably 90% of the time is I feel great. Even mm. though working, they're working 10, 12, 14 hours a day because they're getting positive feedback. They're living in their purpose. This is what I was born to do. But in fact, what's happening is they're flooding themselves with positive hormones from being in purpose and what I get from it. It's covering over what they really might be experiencing. And that buildup in the body um, can have long-lasting uh, impacts. Wow. Well, I, it's interesting you said that you're showing up for like even the aid workers because we don't – that's like a people group we kind of forget about. Like mm-hmm. they're going in there. They're doing it. But it's like even the trauma, It's there's so many ripple effects and so many people that are not seen that are experiencing it. The, the, you know, like you said, going in, who's – Who's reaching them? Who's serving them? Who's asking them if they're okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, in the situation of war and and all that's taking place, like in Ukraine and just various places around the world, is how do we see holistically the effects of that with all different people, all different generations, too? Um, you know, kids being exposed to things no human being should be exposed to. And so yeah. what does that look like as peacemakers going in and um, – just trying to be there. How do we show up in those places? So what does that look like with with what you're doing and how you are positioning even this to people to, to show up for other people? Yeah, I think um, the other role of, of peace builders that, that can kind of get confusing is we're also not the arbiters of, of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about what's what's the need that's in front of me and how do I take care of the person that's in front of me um, including myself at the same time. And so the concept of do no harm, which is kind of what you're describing, we sometimes forget ourselves in that equation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we do, you know, how effective are we or how effective could we be with the people we're working if self-care was part of the equation from the beginning? That's so good. So give, can, maybe you could just give more like a like something that actually happened in this week or some from your conversations that happened at the conference or people calling in that really stuck with you. So maybe just put like a little more flesh on these ideas. Yeah, so so I'll give an example of, of empathic listening um, and kind of vulnerability and, and what we do in, in, in these contexts. And, and this will be the question that was posed to me just before the war brought uh, it gone into full 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 effect mm-hmm. and this was a, a listening circle we were doing with um, youth leaders in Ukraine and this gentleman you know signals that he wants to ask a question I said okay go ahead and he asked me um, as he said as a man I, I'm faced with a problem that all men here are faced with and that is do I stay home and protect my family or do I pick up a gun and fight? Mm-hmm. Wow. And he wasn't really asking for advice. He was asking for an answer. Mm-hmm. And I found in that moment that I was profoundly unqualified mm-hmm. to answer this gentleman's question. Mm-hmm. And what we do as peace builders, instead of coming with answers and solutions, what we do is ask questions. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, what are the most important things in your life? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. said, my family and my health. And uh, so then I asked him, do you know what you're going to do? And he said, I'm going to stay home and defend my family. 
And do I, do you know why, given this? And, and the why, ultimately, is because when you can grout, drop into gratitude, think about the things that are most, you're most grateful for, then you know that you're operating not from your ego, but from your heart. And that's how you arrive at those kind of answers. And it's only by asking him could we arrive at something that was serviceable and, and be able to work. I could not answer that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the stress that gets created in us when we think we need to. Mm. I don't have the answers for them, but I can help them source it and fund their own self. And so that might be a question or might be a scenario that I would take with me and keep playing over and over again if I made it my own, Mm. if I made it my responsibility to have an answer for him versus allow him to work through his own conflict on his own. That's such a good way because we've just talked about in a a previous show just the the power of questions. I think we've been Mm -hmm. conditioned if somebody gives us a question, we have to give an answer. We have to fix it. We're kind of wired that way instead of turning the tables and going, well, what do you think? You know, how, what is most important to you? I love the question. What's most important right. to you? What are your values? So help, helping them self-discover. And then you, as you were saying that, it's like, isn't that a good practice for ourselves? Like we want to mm. just come up with an answer, but what if we asked our, ourselves a question? Like what is mm. most important to me? Mm-hmm. What do mm-hmm. I value? To take the time to be a student of ourselves to help us arrive at a conclusion that mm-hmm. we feel good about instead of just, you know, a quick answer to Solving. something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're so quick to solve. And I would guess if you I mean you enter in a war zone or even a, a, a post-crisis situation, if you came in with a solving mindset. Mm. I think that could that that's a huge burden to carry. Like yeah. to uh, and so I just I and so I what you're saying is so I think is it, it gives a lot of freedom, a peace and freedom if you don't carry that like I mean I'd, you're already seeing horrible things but you don't feel like you have to solve everything. And right. carry that responsibility yeah. of if they did what you said and it doesn't right. go and well you got, like right. you're like oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel so yeah. responsible for that right. instead of letting them, which is a healthy and beautiful way because then they're working through it and they come up with their own. That's that's really beautiful to talk about with that. Mm. Um, so in in this journey, like when you're you're talking, like you said, it's, it's a different language. And you even said, you know, the word focus doesn't always go with peacemaking. Yeah. Um, and, and we want to because we are conditioned to focus. You know, we, we tell each other focus, yeah. focus. So. Explain that, what that means to you, to not be focused in peacemaking. Yeah. So what it means is is um, if the answer came through like a law, for example, if there was an answer for it, then you wouldn't really need me. Your options narrow. I've been pulled into a conflict. If I start thinking, this could go this way or that way. You know, there's, there's always a hundred or a thousand different ways something can go. Mm-hmm. They're not always great. But the fact that I think that there's only one or two means that my mind is narrowed mm-hmm. and I'm not thinking from the cognitive part of my brain. And so by being able to expand and help others expand and think sort of laterally about a problem, you can re-engage that other part of the brain that can start processing information in a different way. And so in some ways, that that need to focus um, is in itself a trauma response because when you're in fight or flight, 
that's all you want to do in order to stay safe. Mm-hmm. And so letting somebody know that they're safe by actually expanding options. And it's, it's a longer process and not something you want to do from the very beginning. And I, you know, the course we just taught was beginning not with open-ended questions, which is what we're all taught. It's like, oh, we need good open-ended questions. No, you want to start with closed-ended questions because that's where they are in their processing. So instead of meeting somebody where I want them to be, meeting them where they are and slowly open the process of being able to expand our thinking. Mm. Okay, that's interesting because you you're right. We're so taught have these open-ended questions so you don't have the canned response. So what does that look like, a closed question that you would like to start it with somebody that's carrying trauma, may not even realize it to what extent, but how do you start with a close that gets them, I, I would think, to get them to feel comfortable and safe to reveal yeah. more? Um, yeah, are you open to me sitting next to you right now? Hmm is a yes or no question mm-hmm. and requires you to think in some ways. I am or am I not? Okay, yes, I am. Okay. All right. Are you okay if we are just quiet for a little while? Would that be okay with you? So yes or no question. Mm-hmm. And we can slowly start to build on those if it's appropriate and if we're getting signals back that that's going to work. Um, but starting with a question like, how do you feel about what's happened to you is impossible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have an opposite response and not safe for either one of you, actually. Mm-hmm. Just to step back a little bit, how did you get to this point in your life Just uh, like where you would be so involved in, in peacemaking, uh, you know, traveling around the world, lecturing in these, in these hot spots? Just take us back a little bit. Sure. Um, so I, 2001, so about 21 years ago, so there was, in, I was in living in Italy doing some uh, licensed landscape architect by trade. Okay. And then, so I was studying architecture in Italy um, during 9-11. And so mm. it was an event that happened in the afternoon and, and more or less watched it happen on television. And my immediate response in my body was, was wow, this is how loudly someone had to speak to feel listened to. Mm. Hmm. And that, that feeling was most concerning, right? It was, and felt contrary to all the different emotions I was experiencing around me. I was with other Americans in the study center. And, and it, it didn't stop. So I thought about it was, you know, it's, to call someone crazy or a terrorist kind of presumes you know something about someone you clearly know very little about. Because to kill other people, unfortunately, is part of human nature. But to kill yourself for something you believe in means you don't kind of believe in it. You mm. a thousand percent believe in it. And mm-hmm. to not hear that person feels really dangerous. And, and so when I thought about it, I thought, you know, if, if folks like me who can hear other people don't do anything about it, there's no one really standing behind me. And so then traveled through the Balkans after that. And so why Sarajevo was an important place was seeing the decimation of Sarajevo after the war and being there, thinking, you know, I could, I could stay and some, learn from Bosnia and Croatian. And, but that wouldn't help these people in the same way that learning diplomacy and being able to learn peace building would. And so it was great to be able to go back there as a peace builder doing this full time. Um, because it really is in line with, with what I saw as a calling for myself. And 
how do I help other people listen to each other and in some cases, most importantly, to themselves? Mm -hmm. And so that so you went in full like I need an education related to this and I wanted to because of these deep these questions that you've been asking that you you're seeing things differently. Yeah, it, it, a little bit of, of I I bifurcated my life at first. I you know still wanted to I opened an office drawing pictures for a living, and mm-hmm. so did that for twenty years and sort of as a hobby you know joined a school board, um, started doing uh, mediation for the juvenile court system, mm-hmm. just as a sort of a, a way of filling that need until um, so really I got the Rotary Peace Fellowship, and once I was awarded that peace fellowship, I thought you know what this is all I really want to do. And mm-hmm. so closed my office, had a small staff, and just let them know we're not taking on any new projects so that I could uh, focus on, on peace full-time. Wow. So that just this calling you're listening to inside of yourself, like, this is what I'm, I'm called to do, the purpose mm-hmm. for my life. What did you yeah. discover when you started doing this about yourself? Like you said earlier, we learn about other people, but we learn about ourselves. What did you learn about yourself through this journey? Uh, it's probably a much longer call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, like, sure. Um, you know, I I had grown up in in um, at a Catholic education, and it can be a little bit transactional in thinking, you know, sort of uh, this God figure gave you certain gifts for a certain reason. Um, and so, for the longest time, my my purpose was, uh, you know celebrate the gifts you've been given. And so finding in every moment how to best celebrate that gift, and in this case was sort of giving back, was mm-hmm. a way that I that I did that. Um, and then if I you know, knew more about the world and sort of offset that idea that we need to live in a transactional world, it's it became of how do I be deeper into the question of what's possible in this moment? And instead of looking for answers, what if this calling was around finding the deeper question and helping other people to feel safe in order to be curious about themselves and the world around them? And so that's a little bit of a, a kind of Cliff Notes version of my journey into into looking at that idea of higher purpose and calling and all the different influences that guide you um, throughout throughout my life and um, and so where I am in the in the process now. Now, I understand that you're fantastic. I love hearing that. It's fanta- are you, I understand that you're coming to Phoenix for a conference. Can, and w- can we let the listeners know about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. How much, how much do you know about it? <laughs> <laughs> Lisa. So Pursuing Peace uh, coming up in the end of September, and you can go online and register. And you're going to be speaking at it and working and being a part of it. And it's always – I've learned so much from you over the years as you have been one of the speakers and just you sharing your heart and, like, just what you just said, what you've discovered in your journey. And I think it's it's a great place to learn from each other's journey. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's um, – and and I, I would say that, that, that what's unique about the conference that, uh, that Chuck puts on is instead of it being linear, um, really the call is – how does everyone become sort of a, a, a teacher and a student at the same time? Mm-hmm. So it's not just meant to listen to great speakers. It's how does everyone who attends contribute? Mm-hmm. And then the more important thing is what do we do as a result of it? Mm-hmm. Not just kind of often we have these experiences and you go, wow, that was really great. I feel really empowered. And nothing happens as a nothing result. Happens. But right. instead, really charging everybody to be 
the, the peace builder and, and everyone's sort of on the same plane. Um, we just have different experiences to share. Exactly. Mark, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate what you had to share for us and our listeners. And look forward Absolutely to seeing you in pleasure. September. That's it. I'll see you then. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace. Educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like, super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work.